This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Media Splode, Episode 3. TV, I guess. <laughs> I believe when I fall in love with you, it will be forever. I believe when I fall in love this time, it will be forever. Without despair, we will share. 
Welcome to iFanboy Media Splode. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And Ron Richards. I'm back. This is the monthly media show that was unlocked by our patrons over at patreon.com slash iFanboy, in which we talk about things that aren't comic books. I thought we were just going to do one of these. I didn't realize it was a whole series. <laughs> we tempted fate. <laughs> You're going to be saying that again when we're doing a quarterly barbecue show. <laughs> hey, I'm okay with that, to be honest, because <laughs> at least there will be meat involved. Well, no one's stopping you from cooking right now if you want to eat. Although we did, we did learn that we shouldn't eat during podcasts. I'm right start... now, yes, that would be a problem. <laughs> I'm going to record this next to the stove as I fry up some bacon. Don't do that because I'll just stop because <laughs> I'm really hungry. So we talk about things that aren't comic books, which is what we normally do. And since there isn't a lot of media happening right now, it tends to be very TV focused because that's really all, all that's happening. And even a lot of that stuff is all screwed up. <laughs> Just all screwed up. Well, we were talking earlier, a lot of our shows are just ending because they didn't get to finish shooting them. So there's awkward season endings. One of my favorite shows, Billions, only shot half its seasons, but they started airing them for some reason. I don't know why they yeah. started doing that. So it's all screwy, but we have things to talk about. And as always, we'd like to start off the show by talking about what we've been streaming in quarantine since the last episode. And Ron, why don't we see you start and tell people what you've been watching. Well, I know a lot of people take opportunities like this to, you know, watch, you know, stuff they've never watched before, go deep into the archive, or, you know, I feel like everyone on my social media feed has watched in April watched The Sopranos again for some reason. I made it I made it through the first season. Like I don't understand. Like all like I don't was there some sort of call to action for everyone to watch the Sopranos? Well, it, it was crazy. I mean, I could I could tell you my thing was that A, I had no energy. So I didn't really want every time I started something new, I was like, I don't care. And two, like, there's so much stuff. Like I just like I just want to watch something I will enjoy, and yeah. so like that's one of my go tos. I had just watched The Wire again a couple of months ago, so that was up in the rotation. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not one of those people. I have a hard time with going back in the past for some reason. Wait a um, minute. I don't. I don't, don't want to. It's ironic. That's your whole brand. No, I know, yeah, I but gonna... but the thing is, when it comes to watching things, I feel like I'm wasting my time if I watch something I've watched already. I don't know if that's like GI Joe. How? Well, How much of Star Wars do you know line by line? A lot. But I didn't, I haven't, like, when everyone was, recently everyone's been watching Empire because it's the 40th anniversary, I didn't watch it. I haven't watched Star Wars in ages. Maybe I should watch it. You don't like watching things you're told to watch them. Being like, everyone's watching Empire, I'm not going to watch it. No, no, that's different. I mean, I would, I mean, I'm not watching Empire because everyone decided, you know, like, because everyone's doing the 40th, you know, I'm not one of those people who's like, on Star Wars Day, I didn't sit down and watch Star Wars because it's a stupid day. And it's just it's based on a pun, which is just moronic. But what I am doing in this time is actually taking the time to go back, oh, like a month and watch the TV shows that came out that I didn't watch when they were originally on that I wanted to catch up on. And I found myself kind of uh, falling on Hulu to FX, been kind of alternating between two series, one being Mrs. America, which is the 70s period piece that is tracking the Equal Rights Amendment following Kate Blanchett, who's playing a conservative right-wing woman who led the effort to stop it. And on the other side of it is Rose Byrne as Gloria Steinem. And several of the episodes were actually directed by the directing pair who directed Captain Marvel, which I didn't realize until I was watching. I was like, oh, cool, look at that. So I'm watching that, alternating with the series Devs, which is by Alex Garland, who's the guy who did Ex Machina and Annihilation, you know, those movies. Well, that makes sense because uh, any ad I saw for Devs, I thought, is this an Ex Machina show? Because yeah. it, it, it looks like it's shot the same exact way with a very similar yeah. art direction. Oh, very much. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely got a it's similar to when Mr. Robot came out. Like, I just I love the shots and like long lingering shots and like a, a great, you know, kind of the, the, the attention to the design and element and stuff like that. But uh, and devs is basically a you know it's it takes place now at a tech company in the Bay Area which 
talk, you know, on brand and that sort of thing. But at, at his heart, it's a murder mystery that's uncovering in the backdrop of this tech company. Not Jose Offerman. That's the baseball player. Who's the, who's the guy? Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman plays the Steve Jobs-like head of the company. Both have been equally intriguing to the point where I'm not a binge watcher. I'm not a sit down and watch everything in one sitting or that sort of thing. Uh, me and my wife actually will watch one episode. We'll have dinner, we'll watch an episode, we'll go to bed. We'll wait a couple of days, we'll watch another episode. We've been alternating between those days. And you know, at least for me, I know it's the right kind of TV series when in between watching episodes, I'm like thinking about the next episode and actually can't wait. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, can we watch an episode of that? And, you know, and, and I like to build that anticipation of the next episode and, and then talk about it for a while and analyze it and then revisit it in a few days. So that's how I've been spending the past month on those two shows. Um, and I highly recommend both of them. Where are they airing? Well, they, they were on FX. Now you can catch them on demand on Hulu. So, yeah, that's what I've been watching on Hulu with no commercials. That's a good segue to mine. Having finished the Outlander bingeathon, needed something light and less disturbing. So, watching Parks and Recreation, which was one of my favorite oh, sitcoms of the, of the last decade or so. There's our through line, uh, Jose Offerman. Nick Offerman. Hopefully, Josh has a Nick Offerman show next. I want to know why you keep calling him Jose. Because he was a baseball player. He was a great pinch hitter. Not everyone in the house had seen before. So it's been fun to remember how storylines had conflated in my head or things happened much quicker than I thought they did. And um, it's just, it's one of the best of the, that, that sort of era of NBC comedies that was happening all up. It started in, I think, 2008, around there. Sort of that mid decade period of NBC comedies. Did you start with the first season? Yeah. It wasn't as bad as I remember it. Oh, okay. It definitely isn't as strong and isn't as wacky. And they haven't found their tone, and they have the useless character of Mark, but I was bracing for like a boring slog. And there's only like six episodes in the first season. Yeah, sure. It actually wasn't as bad as I recall. It levels up you know, noticeably in, in every way by the end of season two. It's still a little shaky in the beginning of season two. It's not quite as stark as The Office, but it was similar. Yeah. Great cast. Paul Rudd just showed up. We're on season four right now. <laughs> it's just everyone nails it. And what's interesting also is the cast, other than Mark, is pretty much there almost the entire time. Even the background players who become more foreground players later on are, are there from the very beginning. My interesting note on the show? I've never seen it. Never watched a single episode. I knew you were going to say that. I, I'm not saying it's bad or good. I just it just completely, I, I was on track four. That show was on track three. I just never got on board. It was really kind of a show. really good show. And one of the things that's interesting about it is that sort of like The Office, you know, like a lot of careers were launched yes. out of that show, like s- astonishingly so. I mean, Chris Pratt becomes a huge star after that show in a completely different vein than he was on that show. It's like the most anti-typecasting I've ever seen, you know, and then you yeah. have Nick Offerman. Nick uh, Offerman. Season, I'm sorry. Yeah. Retta, you know, she's got a career now. Um, Ari Plaza. Yep. And it's funny because I kind of miss seeing Amy Poehler. Yeah. You know, she's around, but I think she's probably doing mostly producing stuff now because it's obviously hard to star in and executive produce and, you know, be the head writer on a show like that. But she's real good at it. She's terrific in that central role. I mean, this was like that also that period where people were coming out of that great cast of Saturday Night Live and getting projects. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them are showing up in, you know, Will Forte showed up and Andy Samberg showed up before Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is done by the same people who did Parks and Rec. So it's it's a connective tissue piece to that early 2000s SNL time to people now who who are in shows like devs that ron are watching yeah 
I love it. I love the, all those characters. It's got so much heart. It's it's really funny, but it's got a ton of heart. Even the characters who you think are assholes have a ton of heart underneath. It's true, and and it's sort of a it's a tonic for everything yeah. else that is happening. I mean, it really was like these are people who are trying to do good, you know, in a tough situation, government, and it's it, you know it's a microcosm of that, but still. Yeah, and it also helped, you know. I don't want to say revitalize Rob Lowe's career, but certainly sent it on a different trajectory than it was going at the time. It sent him off into yeah. the comedy vein. Uh, he just keeps finding new ways to sort of be, be relevant and interesting again. He's very good at that. He's excellent. And Perkins. In case anyone listens to the podcast, this is why Josh and I constantly say Mike Perkins whenever he comes up in a book. He has t- astonishingly bad hair throughout much of the show. Interesting. Rob Lowe. Yeah. He tries like a almost like a Justin Bieber-esque sort of Beatles-y thing, and then later on he's got like big poofy hair. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking, but that's basically what I've been doing for the most part. Probably going to do, I think, Rome next, because I haven't watched since it was Ooh. originally on. I went back and watched that a couple years ago. It's great. Probably better than you last remembered, is my guess. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, you should be. I have two. One is my wife and I started watching... Um, what we do in shadows after I realized that everything from FX was on Hulu. It hadn't been that way before. You can thank the Walt Disney Company for that. Can I? All right. Yeah. Calm down. Can you, get, can, you, can you get me the email address so I can more specifically direct it? <laughs> I can route it. I can definitely route okay. that. <laughs> thank you. So I'm all about Hulu these days. I don't know if I mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. You, I guess we can thank the Walt Disney Company for that, too. <laughs> or Rupert Murdoch. Take Same. your choice. Anyway, uh, I had never seen the movie What We Do in Shadows. I'm a bigger Taika Waititi fan now than I was. Thor Ragnarok is my favorite of the Marvel movies. I love Jojo Rabbit. And I watched Flight of the Concords, the pilot, the other day. And it was a rough-looking show. Yeah. I had no... It was like It was in HD, but I was like, holy shit, this pilot was shot with nothing. Oh, Everyone they had no sweaty. money. They had no money. None. Yeah. It was still funny. Like, it doesn't matter. Anyways, What We Do in Shadows was a movie, and the show is created executively produced by Taiki Watiti and Jemaine Clement. Wait a minute. Is that right? I think it is right. Well, they, they did a film, so that makes sense. Yeah. When I saw the trailer for it, I saw that Matt Barry was in it. And because of Toast of London and several other things, when I see Matt Barry, that makes me want to watch the thing. And my wife and I started watching it. And it's a little bit of a slow start. But over that course of the first season, like we were so excited. This is what Ron was saying. Like, can we watch another one? There is. And then we finished them all, and it was right in time for the second season to start. And so we've been watching, like, oh, it's out this week. We have a new one, you know, that like TV used to be. Um, yep. And it's gotten, it's gotten so funny. So, like, it's just one of those, this is way too clever and interesting, and also just a new spin on stuff. You know, I couldn't tell you a show that this is like. You know what I mean? You've got Matt Berry, and then I don't know the actors' names, but there's basically three other vampires who live there. It's like the best thing. It's 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 the best thing about this pandemic so far, as far as I can tell. It's it's funny because when the first season came out, I I, I, I was like, ooh, I want to watch that, and I just never got to it. And yeah. and then the second season came out, I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta get to it. And I knew it's it's a short episode run, right? It's not like uh, it's. It, it, 12 12 10, yeah 10. I, I was i was guessing eight or ten or so yeah, yeah. but so it, you know it, it, and i'm like okay i'll get to it i'll get to it but then to see the wave of like people realizing it after season two and it just got renewed for season yeah. three i'm like oh, i need to watch i'm glad you're wa- watching it because it's definitely you know matt berry taika like those are all people that we like and follow oh, and so oh, yeah it, i yeah. mean like it's one of those things like it gets better like it wasn't bad to begin with but it's at awesome. first you're you're not sure what you're watching but they you know there was just a couple of minor characters that got better roles that they improved them over time and so now there's 
a lot of stuff that's worth watching. It's just really funny. And the other thing is, I'm not a sportsman, as you guys know, <laughs> uh, but if there is an area of sports that I am aware of, it was late 80s to mid-late 90s NBA basketball. Uh, I had watched that a lot when I was in high school, and I knew a lot of the things. And I, whenever there's a 30 for 30 documentary on those, I make sure to track it down and watch it. Some might say the last good era of basketball. Uh, I mean, I would, but I would say that <laughs> from a place of ignorance. <laughs> So I started watching The Last Dance. I wasn't sure I'd be able to, but apparently ESPN.com, maybe I have at ESPN, I don't really know. I have like 10 channels, it might be one of them, I'm not sure. But I'm able to watch it over streaming, and I was thrilled. So it's, I think it's 10-part series, yep. each, epi- each episode's, it's an hour, hour and a half, like they're long episodes. It doesn't actually go in a straight line, it doesn't really like, here's Jordan at the beginning, here's this. They jump around a lot. It's about Michael Jordan. It's about Michael Jordan. When I watch that stuff, the you know the game footage from that era like i'm 100% like all about sports again <laughs> it's the weirdest thing and i remember all of it i'm like oh right i fucking hated the knicks you know like, who did you root for living in maine at the time i was a bulls person uh, front runner not even a celtics person uh, the celtics weren't great they weren't, they like it wasn't good. super like like the fact is if you look at it now like Michael Jordan those were just a shitload of fun to watch then you know sure. just like five years before them the Lakers were a shitload but you of fun also then. had like uh, I don't want to derail this discussion about the NBA but sure. like you had like five legitimately good teams back then so that that meant yeah. that the, the playoffs between the Bulls the Pacers the Knicks the Rockets the Pistons the Suns the Suns the Jazz mm-hmm. you had like a legitimately entertaining playoffs because you had you had like all these yeah. Hall of Fame guys, all these like sort of all time players playing at that time. Totally. And it took like it took a while for a team to become dominant. Like I feel like like Jordan was one of those first ones where, you know, like, oh, this is the best player and like and everybody knew, but his team around him wasn't that good. It took a long time to sort of work that out. That doesn't happen now, as far as I understand. Again, speaking from a place of ignorance. But felt like a really long time back then before you know the the bulls got past the pistons and then that was a thing for a while it is just so much fun to watch and also you know like that's our, it's a, we've talked about this with stuff, but that's you know the era of my you know adolescence and teen years it's very specific sense memory kind of stuff i think i'm only about halfway through it but i'm kind of savoring it and sort of going slowly but you know like it's a ton of fun to sort of watch through all that so i also then subscribed to uh, ESPN Plus because it wasn't working one day. And I thought, oh, and it turns out that The Last Dance is available on ESPN Plus because it's supposed to go to Netflix in July, blah, blah, blah. But then I found myself with all of the 30 for 30 docs available for at least the next month. And I was like, all right, I'm in. So trying to go through, like, seeing which ones I've watched, which ones I've missed. Which it's one of my good. favorite things about you is your, like, weird hidden enjoyment of sports documentaries. It's interesting because you have you have basically no time or inclination to enjoy sports now, but yet you will watch all the thirty for thirty documentaries. You'll watch Ken Burns baseball. You'll watch The Last Dance. You'll watch any sports documentary you can get your hands on. I like the story. You know, like sports when they have a story, that's a different thing than just like watching the game. Where I can't get myself excited to watch something I don't really feel strongly about. And it's interesting because when I was a kid, I felt strongly about it. And if sports made me feel the way that you know basketball did in 1993 i would watch sports but they don't and after that was over i just i tried to watch basketball i just didn't care anymore mm-hmm. and I, I think that's really interesting but and also i i do find there you know there's a social and historical component 
to you know sports documentaries and things like that. So when you put it in the context, that's why Ken Burns baseball is so fascinating to me is that it tells you so much about what the world was like then. And it's the same thing, you know, like with Michael Jordan, you're like, all right, he was the most famous person in the world for a while. Sports Eddie Murphy or vice versa. Does this documentary address the reason why he had a Hitler mustache in those Hanes commercials? I don't, Not think, yet. I don't think it gets into that. I don't think anyone knows the answer to that. Because if you ask me, there could be a documentary just about that topic. I think he's a weird dude. Well, he's definitely a weird dude. <laughs> no, I know, like, but like, you know, there was his image, and then there was who he was, and he was one of those people who was very like. Do you remember what Seinfeld used to be like when the show was on? Like, he didn't give you anything of himself. Mm-hmm. You know what? He was very enigmatic. He ate cereal. That's all you knew. Yeah, I think Jordan was a lot like that. Like he. And and he didn't want to be famous after a certain point. Actually, they remind me of each other. It's actually a scene where they meet each other. Like it's like ninety eight. Jerry goes into the locker room and they have like kind of an awkward, kind of a familiar conversation. I was like, this is just weird. It's all this amazing footage. Speaking of Seinfeld, watched his latest comedy special on Netflix. I did watch that. Did you like it? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoy his comedy. It's always good. The, the wordplay I, I like. I like. I like his unique take on on our social mannerisms and the words that we use. Which yeah. that whole bit was very funny. Uh, but what I thought was most shocking was he revealed that he's sixty five years old. Yes, he is. Yeah, which is wow. insane. Yeah. Looks great for sixty. Don't even think about how old Larry David is. Uh, oh yeah, I, I can't. He's like even. eighty. But he looks it. That's the thing. I believe that Seinfeld. Yeah. I, I legit. I was like, I was. I was totally in shock. Yeah, it was enjoyable. I was. I enjoy. I didn't enjoy it as much as the the one that with the little bits about his childhood on Long Island because I thought mm-hmm. that one was just like fantastic from all all in. Some of the bits I'd heard before, like they were reworked and things like that. I like at first. I I went in sort of. I'm not sure. I love him now. It's he's very. Thing. He's very cranky. He is yeah. old and cranky, and like we talked about this with comedians in cars, where like the last yeah. se- the last two seasons was him just complaining about comedy to other comedians, and I was like, all right, maybe you need a break. Yeah, but so I went to watch it, and I, you know, I was like, I, I don't know, and and at first I was like, this isn't great, and then as he kept going, like it got better, and then there were some bits, you know, in the in sort of the second two thirds that I, you know, genuinely big laughed, I really enjoyed it, so it was it was yeah. it was pleasant. I want it was that. interesting. It was interesting though, because my wife and I were talking because there was a whole. There, he does a whole section about marriage and relationships and all that sort of stuff. And he was saying how like the unspoken language between you know married couple and you know I hear a lot about my tone and I can't speak like this in my house and blah blah blah. And it's like the things that we say when really inside we're just all we want to say is I hate you. I, I was I was like yeah no I don't hate my wife like that like I don't like I have a hard time this ran into we watched the Mike Berbiglia Berbiglia I can't pronounce his name Berbiglia. Berbiglia I was supposed to go to I had front row tickets for Berbiglia's show that was on last night that I didn't get yeah. to go to sorry oh, I'm sorry Mar- Mike Berbiglia did a one man show it was all around the experience of having his daughter with him and his wife mm-hmm. and you know and there was and actually my in laws told my wife that like oh you guys need to watch it you'll love it because it's all about first year of having a baby and stuff like that and like I actually like straight up don't like the dude now because I did not like what he said in the in the thing like a lot of like the assumptions about how awful it is to have kids and and the you know, the experience as the dad and it was all like real negative dark shit that hasn't been my experience which I feel you know completely lucky and blessed about but it actually soured my opinion of both the work and the person because like I just don't like that attitude like it's just so it, it, I okay. saw that show a few years ago when he was working it out and Lindsay and I went, and we had the best time and thought it was funny. So my question is, do you not like me? <laughs> well. That's a different show. 
That's the final show. I know what yeah. you're saying. It's funny because you're like, well, it's funny. This almost like, and I just thought, and what I did think was, like, you haven't been married that long. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird how, and maybe this is how life experience changes you and things like that. Maybe, you know, having that your own personal context and stuff that you like the, the, the comedy that you can relate to versus stuff that is just objectively kind of funny. And, you know, it's, it's, it gets very complicated, but, yeah, but I mean, it's the visceral not, reaction I had surprised a, myself. Yeah. You're not a Berbiglia person, though. That's I enjoyed not your... the I enjoyed the movie where he was sleepwalking. I enjoyed that one. I mean, but like, like his stand-up is is a certain kind of thing that I don't think doesn't seem. It's not. It seems to be your bag. Super self-aware, reflective, like tiptoeing, realizes he's kind of an idiot all the time, and he's like, "That's not your. Yeah. That's not your thing." No, um, I like I like wordplay. <laughs> He likes puns. I do. I'm telling I you that whole that, that whole that whole section in Seinfeld special, the one about him growing up, where, where he's like, I grew up on you know, I grew up on Long Island. I didn't grow up in Long Island. I grew up on Long Island. And then we get on the train to go into the city, and then you get off the train to get into the cab, and like all this, like all the. It's funny because it's how we talk. <laughs> oh, do we? It's <laughs> funny. Is I don't remember that at all, or particularly like it. But the part uh, about how he acted with his wife, I thought was really funny because I thought it was pretty honest and open for a guy who's never, ever been candid about anything. Yeah, but I just, I just thought, thought it was really kind of unbecoming and just not like, oh, you don't have a good relationship with your wife then. That's not what that, uh, that's that's not. Yeah, that's what I took away from it. I did like the whole bit in the beginning that he said about how going out and being social, you spend all this time talking about and planning going out and then as soon as you get there you're planning leaving and that whole section i thought was very funny tell you what instead of the bit being about your wife have it be about your podcast partners yeah. and see if you look at it differently <laughs> probably probably not well, maybe i don't know no, I love yeah, you guys. there you go there it is <laughs> yeah but that but that's a long time and yeah. maybe not always in the middle <laughs> We've mentioned a couple of shows in passing the last couple of episodes. We wanted to take a slightly deeper dive into staying at Hulu and starting with High Fidelity. I'm telling you, Hulu's the next big thing. <laughs> Even Jose Offerman thinks so. So yeah, so I know last time we did this, we talked about Almost Famous and to keep in the theme of a bunch of middle-aged guys who grew up in the 90s talking about music-based media but um, yeah Hulu we, we talked about it briefly in the last one is that we enjoyed the serialization updated version of, of High Fidelity which took the book based on Nick Hornby and and that was uh, everyone knows about the movie that starred John Cusack and kind of reinvented it as a record store in Brooklyn with what's her name Zoe, Zoe Kravitz right yep yeah Zoe Kravitz in the lead role so a little bit of a gender change from the main main character well a little bit well, yeah, no, completely. It's a, it's a full 180, <laughs> which also didn't matter. I thought that I thought that was actually. That well, was kind well of, that, I mean, good. that's a thing. Yeah. Well, I, I was like, no, I just I just said no. And then Lindsay started watching. I came down. I found myself like, huh. And over the time of watching it to me, like, I mean, on paper, that should not work at all. No, it, it, I know, especially especially considering how closely it really hewed to the like, there are there's dialogue straight out of the book and straight out of the movie. Well, that's my issue is that not only is there dialogue from straight out of the movie, but there's also line reads straight out of the movie. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. And, and so what, what, what I found so weird about it is that like, and we, and we actually had a long conversation about this because, you know, in the history of storytelling and performance, you know, like going back to Shakespeare and all this sort of stuff is that, you know, the same pieces get performed over and over again. Like there's a reason why you know, West Side huh. Stories is, is, you know, had opened up on Broadway before the pandemic hit. And it was a, you know, a new, you know, a, a more modern, you know, version of the previous West Side Story and you have revivals all the time. So the concept of doing things again isn't, you know, completely, you know, crazy. But usually what you look for is how do they do it differently or how do they reinterpret it? And my thought was like, okay, you have this opportunity to take this text and you're going to bring it over. So make it your own. Don't do the line. Don't Zoe Kravitz, don't do the line like John Cusack did the line in the movie. That's just going to remind me of the movie. Sir, I didn't have that problem. No, I I don't think you're wrong. But as I watched it, I thought. I doesn't matter. I still like it. Okay, well, just to, like to get to her, Rob in the movie is a schlub. Yeah, uh, like Rob in the movie is a schlub. He's he's kind of a losery guy, and it's you know he's at that age. It's just know. gonna. I don't know if that's accurate. I think okay. I think he's kind of cool he's, and funny. He's about five to ten years past his prime, but he's still right. So it's just gonna get worse. Is the point? Yeah, yeah. Like he's going downhill, and there's a couple of lines where she talks about how she's playing, and I was like, you're actually one of the most beautiful women in the world. But she was so good that she kind of sold it anyway. Like, yeah. I bought it out of her. And I find that amazing. I thought the well, people that they chose to do the um, the Jack Black and other yeah. guy roles were really <laughs> interesting. Agreed. Uh, you know, I really, I really like the other guy role, the demure employee yeah. who, yeah, who, who became, who, like, I would watch a whole show with that guy about that guy. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, I, I watched thought- the movie and, like, they're both getting to the same place in slightly different ways, but it works in either case. The way I described it to you guys and basically my kind of evaluation of it is it felt like watching a really good cover band, but then maybe six songs into the set, you notice the guitarist is doing something a little, you know, new and on his own sneaking bits in there. And you're like, I want to see more of that. That's mm-hmm. what that that was my kind of takeaway from it. Like I really liked the content, the content, but there were little and the fact that because it's a TV series versus the movie, yeah. they were able to expand bits that got compressed in the movie. They worked in an entire episode of a scene that was completely cut out of the movie about the the record collection, the yeah. the, the the too good to be oh, true record collection. It is it, it is in the book, yeah. It, there's a throwaway line in the movie where he refers to it. So it's mm-hmm. it's present in the movie, but you know it's literally just one line. So I like that 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 I felt the uh, the the expansion of the story allowed you to get it lost in that kind of world for longer than the movie could. That was my complaint with the movie. So I thought the movie was too short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. It's ama- It was I, I was interested in how much because I watched the movie after I finished the show just to sort of see some of those parallels, and there are way more of them than I was ready for. I think. One thing I thought that was interesting is that the music that they are obsessed with in both is basically the same. That was another weird thing, which is that there's no way that a record store in Brooklyn today that they're focusing on is so entrenched in the music the stuff that you and I like. Exactly. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, especially one that's owned, life. especially a store that's owned by a late twenty something and employed by twenty somethings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure those people exist, but the customer base can't be that. I mean, it, it's thrilling. Like maybe they would have a place that has Minutemen posters all over the place. Well, I was going to say whoever really did, popular. Who, whoever did the set dressing is clearly one of us because oh, there were there, there there were Fugazi records on the wall, left and right, and there was like a yeah, Bad so. Brains poster in the middle. <laughs> there was the mid, like, like everything on the walls. I was like, oh, I like all those bands. Connor, what did you think of it? I haven't seen it. Oh, you didn't watch any of it? Oh, I thought no. you did. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Okay. Will you watch it based on this discussion? No. 
Oh, interesting. I'll watch the movie again. Do you like the movie? I love the movie and the book. Why wouldn't you watch the TV show? Because I have no interest in watching a remake of it. You know what's interesting, though, is that I think that Ron actually hit on something that, I don't know, you sound like it didn't work for you, but it kind of works for me, is that if you look at it like a play, if you look at it like a different, you know, there's a thousand performances of a Shakespeare play, in that way, it's kind of interesting. It's a different production. They're putting it up. Yeah. Which isn't the same thing as like Gus Van Sant's Psycho, which was like we're doing a remake shot for shot. It was that's like these people's interpretation of that thing at a different time with different people, and I think it's just surprising like how well it works and how compelling it is. I was like, I need to watch another one. This is great. I'm so beyond convincing other people to watch it, like because I'm tired <laughs> of it being done to me. But I will say this, Connor, which which if you you know if you're looking for something, I think one of the best aspects of it was that they were half hour episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you got in and out in, like, in, you know, 26 minutes, and, like, you got a condensed little chapter of the story, and it always felt like – it felt like enough. It felt, like, nourished and didn't really um, take away – you know, like, I, I actually I, – I do think – while I went into it, similar to Josh, we're like, there's no way I'm going to watch this. Oh, my God, that's awful. I ignored it for the first two months that it was out or whatever it was. And then just, you know, not having anything else to watch. And we're like, yeah, let's try this. And the fact that it was a half an hour, I was pleasantly surprised. And by the end of it actually was like, I don't know how this is going to end because I know how the book ends. And this is a TV series and there's supposed to be a second season. So I, I now I want to see what, what what the next season is like because we're into unknown territory almost. And then you end up with the second season of The Handmaid's Tale, which everyone hated and no one talks about anymore. Oh, well, I didn't watch any of the first. The My point I is, when so. you when you move beyond the source material, you, you end up in rocky territory. Fair, not that's always. Fair. I mean, y- usually the Fargo TV show. I mean, like it can. But that's happen. different because it wasn't based. That was just the idea of Fargo, not not like based on a source material, though. You know what I mean? If you don't want to watch it, it's fine. <laughs> exactly, whatever works for you. I still haven't watched The Wire. <laughs> and don't watch it. This is all everybody digging in now. Like, I'm not changing what I think. <laughs> Ron, so over on CBS All Star Trek, we have Star Trek Picard, which aired earlier. And I guess, surprisingly, I found, in looking, you know, getting ready for the show, surprisingly controversial. Even though everyone I know who watched it loved it. You know what I loved about Picard's existence was that I saw comments on in my social media feed from friends and unknowns alike that was that were devastated by the existence of this. It's weird. They're saying, "I can't believe Patrick Stewart let this happen." What uh, the sh- the show that he executive produced and clearly was involved in the writers' room, like clearly had a hand in the creation of, right? And people who were like, "Yeah, Picard's great if you're into fan fiction," and like just like God. all like the the, I can't. the 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 it was so funny to be able to just revel in the repulsion of so called diehard Star Trek fans. Well, one reason why I don't do social media anymore. So this was an eleven episode prestige show set in the original universe which was part of the reason why it was so great about picard in his retirement getting involved in political machinations once again and war with the romulans i loved it i loved every minute of it it was really nice to be back with patrick stewart as picard it was really 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 nice after years of the kelvin universe and discovery and jj to be back in that original world with those actors playing those characters, it felt like a warm blanket being pulled over me again. You had Data and Riker and Troy, and you had Hugh in Seven of Nine. You had yeah. all these characters back from the original world, the original universe of Star Trek uh, that was so important to me growing up. And it was really interesting and great to see Star Trek shot and written with the care of a prestige TV show. 
because it doesn't look like any other Star Trek show from that world. You couldn't watch this and then watch The Next Generation and see the visual similarities. This is shot like a prestige drama. But it's shot like how shows are shot now. Right, right? that's what I mean. But that's, that's, it's, yeah. Star Trek was 20 years too early for that. So now to be in that world but shot in such a way that where it's cinematic on, yeah. on a small screen was sort of mind-warping. I love this whole show. Yeah, I love the two. I mean, I'm, both Connor, you and I, you know, relate to our love of Star Trek and every iteration, you know, even though, you know, some being better than others, I still kind of always give it a shot and always like to play that. I, I actually really did, I uh, really have enjoyed the first two seasons of Star Trek Discovery, which was controversial in its own right. I thought this was great. I didn't realize how much I loved and missed these characters until yes. the moment they came on the screen. Yes. Like, how happy were you the first time Riker showed up? Yeah, well, I was going to say, there, there's a moment with Riker. I don't want to spoil it to anyone who's going to watch it. He's a Star Trek fan, although if you're a Star Trek fan, you probably already watched it, but you know what I'm talking about. But at the very end of the series, there's a moment with Riker that I, I welled up. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it was like the, the lean, the sitting lean that he does. <laughs> oh, it's great. I thought it was a inventive take in the universe. I like the evolution that they did with the technology, because one thing that I always love about Star Trek is just the, similar to the the shot style that you talk about, how that, you know, this is more, you know, modern television cinematic kind of style shooting you know for me the charm of every star trek series is the era it's produced in yep. the original series had you know with its analog dials and all the 60s stuff and then star trek the next generation has its own charm of it's you know everything solve everything with tachyons and like right. all, all the you know kind of little bits and i thought that they added to the lore they advanced the universe they introduced new elements and told a star trek story that was rooted in the in the universe that we came to love and but done in a way that we've never seen before about a topic that is honestly an extension of one of the subtopics of the next generation, you know, in terms of AI and artificial life forms. What is life? Yeah. Yeah. What is life data and the Borg and all that sort of stuff, you know, gave us, you know, gave us a a Borg ship that is manned by Romulans. That is a science center, like, like different takes on things that were familiar, but just slightly turned. And then at the same time gave you a ship and now a crew that like, I want to see more adventures with that crew. Like, I love Rios. The captain is great. Yes, he was fantastic. The Latino Han Solo, which is not a yeah. character you ever got in Star Trek before. So it's an yeah. t- entirely new kind of person in that world. And he is terrific and clearly can do a lot of accents. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was really, really good. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, so I mean, like, I, I, you know, there's season two is underway before this all started. I hope it, it, they're able to do it. You know, please give us more. Like, you know, it is easy to, to say, like, having Data be in it or having Riker be in it or Troy and Hugh be like fan service. But it, it, it worked. totally, it worked. It made sense to the story. Everything fit. It, I mean, Michael Shabans was was in the writer's room. Like, yep. these are people who, you know, like, know how to tell story. It was great. I thought it was true to the vision of Star Trek. And I can't wait for more. And it had a very emotional ending. Again, not to spoil it, when there was a death at the end, yeah. it was very emotional. I had watched the final episode right before in preparation because I had, you know, it's been a long time. I had forgotten exactly how it ended. I mean, I knew the big beats, but I'd forgotten the details. So I watched it again, and that really actually helped a lot just in terms of like emotionally setting the stage for this. When it opened up with that song that's very important to the show and Data and Picard playing, were they playing chess or were they just drinking? They were playing chess. They were playing chess. Yeah. It, it's right away. I was like, "Oh, yeah." It was, I mean, the show was great. Also of note, Allison Pill was in Picard, and she is also in Devs, which I'm watching on FX. So, in addition to Jose Offerman, my through line is Allison Pill. Nick Offerman. I only watch things with Allison Pill, apparently. So I'm going to watch Scott Pilgrim next. As a Star Trek fan, every, and everyone I knew, like I said in person, who was a big Star Trek fan, was loving it. It was all we were talking about when it was happening. It was great. 
It's funny because so many people were like, well, I like Star Trek, but I'm not paying for CBS All Access. You know, CBS All Access is not – I know we're, we're going to talk about you know another streaming service added to the mix. But, like, I have not regretted the no. CBS All Access purchase. In fact, in, I was thinking in, about if I had to get rid of all the services, that would be the last one I'd get rid of. I don't know if it's the last you one I'd get rid watch, of. You guys watch TV like old men, though. Like, you love network TV and that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Maybe. Get excited for new shows in the fall. I mean, I, you know, I don't begrudge it for you, but yeah. I can't think of anything like that I want to watch on there. But that's not it's not a knock against it. It's just your thing. The majority of the content, the new content is Star Trek. So if you're as someone who doesn't want yeah. to you know, I'm not surprised. I mean, it has the good yeah. fight, which is the, which is one of the best shows on TV. I, I believe you. But it was too far in. What, what's interesting, though, is like you start off and the people are angry. And I was like, how long ago did Shatner do that sketch? And oh, still yeah. true today. That was, that was 1985, 1986. Yeah, that I know. Was, and yeah. people, and like, it's still not like get a, get a life. Oh, it's the best thing that ever happened. It no one learned. In the past, Star Trek fans could just yell at their friends or write a letter, but now it's just they get to congregate in line and make it all worse for everybody. And this is every subculture group: Star Wars, Star Trek, comics, video games. I will tell you, I just opened up CBS All Access and I hit the Movies tab. Just on the top of the Movies tab, I see A League of Their Own, Airplane, African Queen. It's legitimate because now they have Paramount's movies because yeah. of cause yeah. CBS and Paramount merged. So it's actually a robust – they probably need to rename it because it's – Yeah, they do because it just might as well be for old people. I believe they are renaming it. They're rebranding it. It's fascinating to see like Big Night and Bottle Rocket next to Elvis Blue Hawaii right, and Clockwork Orange – Crazy People, which, by the way, underrated 1980s Dudley Moore comedy that I cannot like if you're looking for a if you're willing to throw away an hour and a half of your time, it's exactly one hour, 31 minutes. Crazy People is a fantastic film. Have you ever seen Crazy People? I think I saw it a long time ago. I was a big Dudley Moore fan. In the, Josh, know, do you know about Crazy People? I don't know, maybe, but so Dudley, Dudley did, Moore, it's Dudley, been a long time. Dudley Moore plays an advertising executive who has a mental breakdown and goes into an institution and then corrals all the other mental patients and forms an ad agency inside the mental institution. <laughs> and their and their premise is that they'll do honest advertising. And so they, they do a tourism ad for the Bahamas, and it's just a man and a woman coming out of the water and says, come in the Bahamas. <laughs> Or, or or Jaguar for men who like hand jobs and like and it turns it turns the advertising world upside down. It's, it's, it's very of the eighties, but honestly, it holds up. <laughs> have you watched this I recently? I don't know if those. Yes, I have. In the you last ten years, in the, within the last ten years, it all I the have. time. He does it every six months. He watches it again. Daryl Hannah's in it. I mean, any any eighties movie with Daryl Hannah. You know what's good. funny is you go, it's got to go. He's gonna say Daryl Hannah because wasn't <laughs> they like Dudley Moore and Daryl Hannah did several movies, right? They might have. I mean, another I, one yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. So let's talk about HBO Max, which launched this week. Another streaming service. They're starting to pile up. This one is interesting so and weird and confusing. It is at its heart. Warner Media's streaming service in the same way CBS All Access is, is now Paramount's streaming service. But they, for whatever reason, and this it's just, it just drips of technology corporate executives at AT&T going to a boardroom and saying, let's take HBO's brand equity and dump it on everything. Yeah. And thus diluting that brand equity. So it's HBO Max, even though it's Warner Brothers Media, it's also a rebranded HBO Now because that app disappeared and became HBO Max. Also, you get it if you're through certain cable subscribers. Like I get it for free from DirecTV. 
Uh, other people, Comcast, get it for free. And it's the hub for DC and TCM and Looney Tunes and Cartoon Network and Adult Swim and Studio Ghibli and Crunchyroll and Sesame Street. It is so. it is just it is a mishmash of brands. Like they're they they in the app there's one section that is like the hub you know it's they, called they, hubs. You know, the hubs, yeah, and it is the most confusing collection of like you know like to go from Sesame Street to Studio Ghibli to Turner Classic Movies to Looney Tunes to Crunchyroll to like it's just like and above them all is HBO because that is like the pinnacle. I mean, it's listen, naming products is hard. I understand that. <laughs> I mean, clearly we're we're going to be in a future show. We're going to be making fun of when NBC Universal's Peacock app launches because I don't see how anybody doesn't just call that the cock for short, <laughs> and that's not good. Um, oh, but Connor, to your point, I mean, like, you know, HBO meant something. HBO had a position in, had a brand equity in culture and in everything and kind of gave you a sense of it. And part of me, like, who cares? But another part of me, which is that they just called this max or called it something else. And HBO was just a number and we still got to be what HBO means. Cause now HBO is just diluted. And especially when you scroll through the app now, you have like HBO shows interspersed with like, yeah, Friends and The Fresh Prince of Bel Air and The Big Bang Theory and and these are not necessarily bad shows, but it, what is HBO anymore? Then it doesn't it loses what it, the meaning of it. Yeah, the reason why did and and again um, these are my opinions. These don't reflect my employer, but the reason why Disney Plus works is because Disney operates as an umbrella over Marvel and Star Wars and Disney animation and all that other stuff, and it makes sense. Whereas this just feels like a jigsaw puzzle that that's not together. I will agree with that, but I will say that HBO Max has the same problem that Disney Plus has is, is a lack of content. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, is the idea that it's going to be original content or is it just a storehouse? There's a couple store? of original oh, content shows. There's an Anna Kendrick series. There's, there's, there's literally this, so there's a section called Max Originals, and there are like six four, shows, yeah. shows that they launch with. There's Love Life, the Anna Kendrick thing. New Looney Tunes cartoons, which I thought was banana, like a picture of Big Bugs Bunny on a cell phone, which I was like, oh. They're doing that. They're going um, a big push in for the 80th, 80th yeah. anniversary. A show called Legendary, the Not Too Late Show with Elmo, a documentary called On the Record, and Craftopia, which is like a DIY show. Yeah, no, I agree with you that the lack of content was kind of glaring. But I will say, in Disney Plus's defense, and I know because I'm a big Disney Plus mark, but the uh, just the other over the weekend one of my wife's friends texted her said hey we just got disney plus what should we watch and we spent about 10 minutes saying oh watch this and this and this like as time goes the content does build and and gets there but at launch it is hard so i do sympathize with them as to have enough at launch to make it feel. i mean apple the apple tv section had had the same problem where there was a handful of shows right it's like you you know you can't launch with as big of a library that's why they're leaning on the warner library and all these other sub brands to fill out the content of the evergreen which makes sense because friends was the top show on netflix it was the most watched show and so it's when you log on to hbo max literally the first banner is a friends banner i make that makes sense to me there's a there's a whole harry potter section that makes sense yeah i was gonna say the hair yeah yeah those are gonna probably be the most viewed stuff yeah you know for a lot of people you go to these apps because of the original content that's sort of the driver that gets you in there in the door and you know after the mandalorian you know there was nothing left on disney plus and there's nothing on i haven't been back to disney plus since then i haven't either i haven't even opened the app up you guys are missing out you are on, perhaps on, biased on what <laughs> there there's disney movies no, no. There's a show called Prop Culture that is uh, like a little mini documentary about finding movie old movie props and the history of the movies and stuff like that. I enjoyed that. There's a whole documentary series about the making of The Mandalorian, which is good. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on here. It's great. I have not opened the app since the last episode of Mandalorian. All right. Well, there's a Taylor Swift concert. 
I that's not true. I watched I watched Ratatouille with my kids. But not mm-hmm. only that for for HBO Max, original content aside, they opened up during a pandemic. No one can shoot anything, but it's a shockingly anemic library. Like if you go to the DC yeah. Hub, and I realize that there's a lot of streaming rights and they've licensing to other streaming services and they've got to wait for those licenses to come back, but like there's not a single Superman movie. There's not even the, the Nolan Batman films aren't in there. There's hardly any cartoons because all the content's on the DC Universe app. Like, I don't understand why they don't just fold DC Universe into HBO Max, too, because there's a lot more co- content. On I think Batwoman's the only CW show. There's Smallville's not on there. Like, there's, there's a lot of DC content they've made over the years, and hardly any of it's actually in the app itself. I mean, the actually, I was actually impressed with the TCM selection. It's better than I thought it was going to be. I will say I am very excited about about having this access to TCM because that's the kind of thing, like you know, I that not having cable, and even though I do have TCM through YouTube TV, just not not being of one to ephemeral. Like, let me turn on the TV and watch whatever. It is nice to have to be able to access that archive because there are some gems in there. It's just weird. It's just weird. I mean, I realize this. It's early. It's first week, but it's weird. It's a weird app. It's funny. I'm going through it because I have HBO, so I guess I have this. And, you know, it mostly looked like the HBO with some other stuff I wasn't really looking for. Uh, and then you get to the bottom, and it says, uh, it's like, you know, these are the film franchises. And I was like, yeah, cool, I do have all those DVDs. Lord of the Rings, Alien, Die Hard, Jaws, Hair. I was like, yeah, I got, we're good. <laughs> like, But it's not, like... It's not overly compelling. Yeah. No. It is funny, because I, I opened it up this morning, and, and uh, or yesterday morning, and my wife said... And we looked at her like, oh, what's different? It's like, oh, it's purple. Okay, cool. Where's John Oliver? I still don't know if, like, do, do new shows pop up on there? Like, the day after they air on TV? Like, I, don't, I still don't know, know the answer to that question. Well, it looks like I still have HBO Go. I mean... HBO Now was converted into HBO Max. Right. Well, that's but what I, I still have, have HBO yeah, Go, it. which is... It's the day of, basically. As soon as the show airs on HBO, I can watch it on the app. Right. So, but why have two HBO apps? That's just, it's just weird. whole thing's weird. I don't know. I'm not going to complain in that it doesn't cost me anything else to have it, some more stuff that I didn't have before. Is Doom Patrol worth watching? I started to watch the first episode and couldn't finish it, but everyone says it's the best one. I just never, I've never gone back to it. Yeah. It was one of the DC Universe originals. Which, why does DC Universe exist? But, That's uh, my question. I really thought it was going to get folded into, after they killed Filmstruck and then folded it in supposedly into this TCM section, but it's not nearly as much as what was on Filmstruck. I thought for sure DC Universe we could fold it into this too. Maybe it still will one day, but it hasn't yet. Yeah. The only thing I've watched on there so far this whole week was I watched one of the old Looney Tunes. The one with the two guys wash up on the little island. They see each other as hot hamburgers and hot dogs, and then the cruise ship comes and Bugs Bunny tricks them into staying on the island. It's a classic. Classic. That's all I've watched on there is 11 minutes. Tell you what, there's some stuff on, like I'm just going through TCM right now. And it's great. The TCM section's l- legit. I mean, yeah, like there, there's some really compelling stuff here. They have like all the Chaplin films. Oh yeah, look at that! I just got to it. Wild West, Wild Bunch, Once Upon a Time in the West, Searchers, Rio Bravo, Treasure Sierra Madre. I mean, that's some. It's the best section I've seen so far. It's got a good like '70s section too. Yeah. Like Harold and Maude, Hard Day's Night, Xanadu, Rock and Roll High School. Tune into next episode when Josh reads off titles available on another streaming service. <laughs> Well, you could tell us some more about what's great about Disney+. Plus. <laughs> it was a weird launch. I'm sure it'll get better, but uh, as all these companies race to get their app out, and AT&T has said that their whole focus now is this app, it was just a weirdly anemic launch. Yeah. I, just, I, I think we're in the midst of a whole shuffle thing, and how it shakes out is going to be kind of interesting, really, because you know, you've had all these come lately apps you know and none of them are particularly sticky 
you know, like depending on who you are or whatever, you might have an interest. But like I have Apple Plus, you know, there's two shows on there I really want to watch. Lindsay's watching one of them. Like there's the new uh, Rob McElhaney show. I mean, Apple's just dumping a ton of money on the on the world. Yeah, because they don't have any. It's all original content, but it's not that much of it. Like there's a couple of great shows there, but is it worth it on a monthly basis? It doesn't feel like it, you know. Whereas, you know, it feels like Disney's main thing is a huge archive of like beloved content. And if you're really into that, that's awesome. You don't need to go get your Blu-rays out anymore or, you know, people have the VHSs and HBO is like Max is just like, here are all those things. You know, like friends, <laughs> just please approve of me. <laughs> Pay us. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we couldn't sort of decide, so we're giving you everything we have. Well, that's There's what it boils no... down to. I'll, I'll never forget. I don't know where. I don't know. I wish I remember what year it was. It had to been around 2005 or 2006 or whatever. But I was talking to my dad about a lot of the new up and coming internet stuff and things like that, and he's just like, "Yeah, I don't know. I think it's we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be bled dry by death of a thousand uh, microtransactions." And that's really what what is happening. Where it's it's four ninety nine here, seven ninety nine there, fourteen ninety nine. Well, this is yeah, this there. is fifteen dollars a yeah. month. Yeah, yeah. It's comics. Yeah. I've got Netflix and Hulu and DC Universe and HBO Max and Prime. You know, that's that's five out of the. I mean, it's just at a certain point you're gonna have Peacock at some point. I'm sure Fox will want its own. You know, like it's gonna be too much. And everyone's trying to beat Netflix. They seem to can't do that, even though that you know everyone's taking their content off of Netflix. Which it's gonna be interesting in about five years. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 definitely gonna be. I mean, I don't. Yes. I I wish I could even hazard a guess where the, the where everything where the chips lie. But I think it's you know it's 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 these moving away. You know, these conglomerates or these libraries that are together and these brands that are in one thing, and then it's going to become a money game. You know, and 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 you know, and you've got Warner and Disney and. NBC Universal and all these kind of big, you know, decades long, you know, decades old uh, media companies, and you got an upstart like Netflix, you know, who are just dumping money into it. And and at the end, I mean, we're already at too much content. It's a flood of content. It's the comics when they went double shipping. Like, how much do you remember when you're getting the fire hose, you know, on you? Like, yeah. what was the last great Netflix show? I'm not saying there wasn't one. I just can't remember it because there's been ten shows. Not even at Netflix, but everywhere. Yeah, everyone that's like the thing of the week. There's no like great ones anymore. There's no like I. Somebody's asked like, "What do you like?" And I was like, "All right, I loved that Fargo show. That was like my favorite thing that I'd seen in a long time." And I can't remember. It was two years ago, maybe. Like I've I can't even remember. It's been so much stuff. I was thinking that like you know you said that if you the last to go would be your CBS app. Mm-hmm. I think my HBO Go app might be up there for me because. One of the, like there's all the shows, and so you know the original content. Well, is, you're not paying for that separately, right? That's an add-on to your cable, right? But if I didn't have the cable, I would just buy HBO now. I would buy the now. Well, that's, again, there's no now. Max, now. Max is I, I HBO know Max. Max. Is I know. Wait, wait, are we then? Now this is now. now is then? Let now me get is there. This is now. This is now. Okay, okay. Then, then. but my experience has been the a. I don't watch TV, so I really only experience the HBO Go app. Seems like all you do is watch TV. No, I mean like TV, TV. Oh, well, no one does anymore. I do. Right. And Connor does. does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the the point being, like, you had the content of all of sort of, you know, some of the best produced shows of the last 20 years. And then, you know, the movie parts were kind of rotating. Like, here's some new things. Here's some weird old things. And it wasn't so much. You know, like, it, like Netflix is, there might be cool stuff coming in and out, but I'll never see it because there's too many things. Like, HBO is kind of controlled in that way. You're losing that now because yes, you go to the HBO Go app, 
And I assume now right. is like this before. You just see the HBO shows. Oh, what did I miss this week? Oh, here's the new show from this week. Yep. Now it's like you go to HBO Max and it's like, is this the new one? I don't know. It's in, it's in between the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and, it's in, and Harry Potter. Is it, is, they've diluted themselves. They should just yeah. be an HBO section. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but that like I think now and go were basically the same thing as I understand it. Like if you if you were sort of working with it, but like yeah, but now there was if a, you didn't yeah. have now as if you didn't have cable. Like I didn't pay for cable, so I couldn't get go, so I had to get now. Right. I mean, it was it was already confusing to start with. Yeah. Now, 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 then, then, when now, 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 now then. <laughs> so when I will say though, if you do have Netflix, Uncut Gems is now. Available on Netflix, and if you haven't watched that, you need to watch that movie. Yeah, and it's and you will watch it one time, and you will never want to do it again. But it's worth it that one time. Oh, so good, um, so so. Good. And also, just just the thing that you need more than any of this this whole conversation is justwatch.com. Yes, you you know you think of the thing you want to watch. So we were just talking about Spaceballs, and I thought, what would I do? I would just go to justwatch.com. I type in Spaceballs and see where it is. Where is it? Yep, and just go wherever it is. Tell us uh, where it is. Yeah. Uh, I Let's see. Know. I'm doing it right now. Space balls. <laughs> it was just on TV recently. I caught the last like 30 minutes of it. It is now. You can stream it on Stars. <laughs> stars <laughs> is always the wild card. Yep, it really is. It's available for rent on Amazon, Google, Apple, every all the other. Th- I did. Had. I did what you said. I I got Stars for a month so I could watch Stan and Ollie, and then I forgot to cancel it before the oh, trial was up. So yeah, now I remember. Now and now I've got it for a month, but there's so many things like I'm not gonna remember to go back to stars. They were just having a uh, deals like five bucks a month for three months. Yeah. But, but pe- I don't need more. Just watch people who like spaceballs also liked Blazing Saddles. Well, yeah, true, true. Inner Space, which no. is a gem of the. Uh, it's, yes. that is a gem of a movie. Yes. thank you, okay. Connor. Inner I, Space I didn't say it was bad. I just I watched it a year ago. Other than you got other than, with Inner Space, you've got classic mid '80s Martin Short. You've got young Dennis Quaid. You've got Meg Ryan, and America's you've got sweetheart. a lot of Sam Cooke songs. Yep. <laughs> That's a great thing. But they also like The Dark Crystal, um, Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie, and Rogue One. Wow. that's That algorithm's weird. all over the so, place. You know what this whole streaming thing feels like? It feels like I have this cabinet, and it's full of snacks. Yes. And then somebody comes up and like, dude, we have way more snacks for you. <laughs> and I, I'm like. I like these snacks, though. No, I really like the snacks that you have, but I have so many fucking snacks. <laughs> and I don't know if you've, if you've noticed, I'm gaining weight rapidly, and I have a cholesterol problem. Like, but how about more snacks? And then behind them, a giant truck pulls up and like five dollars for a year for all of these snacks. And I'm like, please leave, <laughs> stop coming here. And then they just drop off a bunch of snacks. Like, I didn't pay for Disney Plus. I didn't pay for Apple Plus. I'm not paying anything extra for HBO Max. They're just leaving. My yard is full of snacks. And, and I'm like, I'm going to have a salad. It's too much. So that's why I watch The Sopranos again. I get you. That's literally it. There's less cultural stickiness to any of these shows because yep. no one's watching. Five million people here, three million people. Everyone's in their little bubble niche, and there's, there's no stickiness to the culture or anything. Well, it'll be interesting because, you know, like we – very broadly generalizing, but like our generation will have like our touchstones. We'll have our Simpsons and our Seinfeld and, and the, the millennials who are 10 years younger than us are going to have the office and the people after that, they're watching fucking YouTube anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. It was funny. Cause I was literally on a, on a work call earlier today and someone was talking about the ratings of a TV show. And then someone chimed in saying ratings don't matter anymore. And I said, and everything I learned in college got thrown out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ratings. 
What does matter? Ratings, ratings, ratings. Nothing matters. Um, nothing matters. Nothing matters. And 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 the reality is that I I have at best an hour to watch anything on any given day. So it's 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 even harder to find something to fit into that small window. <laughs> Here's what I'm really excited for. In about a year's time, two years time, when we're on the Media Explode episode twelve or whatever, and we get to talk about the six hour Snyder cut. That will be that will be can a I, fun time. Can I tag someone in? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't think Can we just do G.I. Joe instead? Hey, guys, actually, I got to go and watch G.I. Joe right now. Oh, shit. I totally forgot about that, too. <laughs> so let's do that. So this has been Media Explode Episode 3. Thanks to the patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy who made it happen. This is our monthly non-comics media show. So we'll be back next month. Maybe we won't do all TV. We'll find something else. We'll find a movie to talk about. There isn't I would, yeah, I would like to do. Now. I would like to do a shared experience with the three of us. So, so it could be Let's watch like, Interspace. I'm game. I would gladly watch Interspace again and do a deep dive in Interspace. <laughs> 500 downloads. Josh won't play along. Not that. Yeah. It's whenever those things come up, you guys have this big shared experience. Oh, it's just great. I'm like, well, I didn't have that experience, so it doesn't mean the same thing to me. Well, how I'll do you feel about the- How do you feel about Martin Short? I never liked him until I knew more it. recently. I knew it. I had. I, I. I had to guess. I would say that you were not a Martin Short fan. No. There's two kinds of people in this world. There's Martin Short fans and non-Martin Short fans. Exactly. I did always. I do, and I've always thought that the synchronized swimming oh, sketch it's classic. is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Classic. I'm not, I'm not a strong swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not without, we should watch a Fred Willard movie. I will say, we should oh, watch, yeah, Fred, we should watch we, Best in Show. The problem yeah. is, no one wants to sit here and listen to us just say jokes from the movie over and over. Yeah, good sure, point. that's a good point. good point. I will say that there was a span of years, a very formative years, that were spent watching Three Amigos, yes. Inner Space, and SCTV repeats. Well, if you'd gone back in time to that period and asked me who's the biggest star in the world, I'm assuming it's Martin Short, right? Because he's, uh, Ch- he's in Ch- everything. Could be Chevy Chase. No, could but like in the Chase. future, like in the future, who's yeah. who's like the most beloved yeah. comedian? Well, it's got to be Martin Short. Yeah. He was so versatile. They were trying to make him happen back then. Yeah. Steve Martin. <laughs> Steve Martin. Oh, so good. Three Amigos is a gem, honestly. That that is a that is a goddamn American treasure of a movie. <laughs> so, all right. So until next month, we'll be back. I'm Connor. I'm Ron. Fucking lousy with snacks. <laughs> so many snacks. Leave the